in the beginning, I flip-flopped and I went back and forth because I thought, well, no, this is what you have to be in order to be successful. And then I realized that I was going to let go of that business model and just be myself. And that's when I really started to attract the audience to me that I felt like belonged there. I'm Carrie Fazell, and this is I Reinvented My Life in Business, a show featuring entrepreneurs who changed course in midlife or later, taking the leap toward what really makes them come alive. This show is sponsored by my company, Concurrent Productions. We make brand videos with empathy, authenticity, and love. I especially love working with people who consider themselves camera shy. I relate. If you're a solopreneur or more inclined to DIY, check out our online course, How to Make a Brand Video That Isn't Boring. You can find that at concurrentproductions.com learn. Use the code PODCAST for 20% off in June. In this episode, I have a conversation with Allison Lumbatis. Allison is a million-dollar entrepreneur who turned a fashion blog into a business. But it's so much more than a fashion blog. As founder of Get Your Pretty On, Allison created a community of people that's all about being who you really are and expressing your inner self through what you wear. I love this approach. I don't consider myself a fashion person, but I do have a personal style, and I love the way that Allison talks about the connection between what you wear and who you are. Allison sees her role as guiding people through the outer expressions of major life transitions, the internal shifts that are expressed through external shifts. We talk about growth and different phases of business ownership. Allison shares what was different about side businesses she had before and Get Your Pretty On, the one that took off. We cover the idea of expressing your own identity instead of wearing something like a uniform for someone else. We talk about accountability and how getting dressed in the morning, even if you don't see anyone else all day, is about being accountable to yourself. With fashion, like your own business, you can try different things, fail fast, do something different every day, and just figure out what works for you. It's about becoming yourself. The reason I do this podcast is to equip entrepreneurs with resources to inspire you to achieve your dream of independence through your business. One effective way you can do that is through video, and you can certainly DIY it. My partner and I took the time to research, order, and test the most affordable and highest quality gear like high-definition webcams and ring lights for your DIY video. We put together all that research in a simple shopping list for you, and you can download that gear list. It's free at concurrentproductions.com slash DIY. I'm so excited to share this interview with you. Alrighty, let's get to it. You are the founder of Get Your Pretty On, and I love that you describe yourself as a seven-figure entrepreneur. Tell a little bit about what Get Your Pretty On is. So Get Your Pretty On really started as a blog and as my own accountability partner because I had been working from home for a while. I was still in corporate America at the time, and throughout the course of this amazing opportunity to work from home, I also realized that my self-care just completely went downhill. I stopped getting dressed on a daily basis. I stopped wearing makeup. I stopped fixing my hair. I think that this is something a lot of us can relate to because the pandemic threw us, many of us into that situation for the first time where we didn't have those built-in accountability to get dressed and go into an office, to be up at a certain time of the day. And I really had to have that again in order to, you know, it was affecting my motivation, it was affecting my ambition, it was affecting my relationships, it was affecting my career, everything, simply because 
I just wasn't feeling good about myself. And that's really how the Get Your Pretty On story started is that I woke up one day and I said, what can I do? What's one tangible step that I can take that is going to turn this around? It's going to make me feel better. And the first thing that popped in my head was I can get dressed. That's easy. I can walk into my closet. I can put on clothes and feel better about myself in that way. So the first day that I did that, I felt great. You know, I had tons of energy and it just shifted everything and I felt more confident and I realized that was something I wanted more of on a daily basis. So I started blogging initially to post my outfits, to post what I was learning, because the fact is I had a closet full of clothes, but they were all clothes from my corporate past life. There was nothing in there that suited this new work from home lifestyle. I had to rebuild my wardrobe and I just started to blog about what I was learning and sharing that journey with other women. And it turned out that it grew organically because there were a lot of women feeling the same way that just weren't sure what to wear anymore. Like they had the whole office attire down, but when it comes to getting dressed for being comfortable or the new lifestyle, they just weren't sure what to wear. That's really how Get Your Pretty On started and, and grew actually pretty quickly within the first two years. I wasn't really doing anything like SEO related or marketing wise, or even had very much of a social media presence. It was strictly a blog with a community that was built through the blog in the comments of the blog. And then over the years that transitioned into Facebook and, you know, our community moved elsewhere, but it's just continued to grow and grow and grow until 2014 is when I really started to realize that I wanted this to be a business. It was going to be more than just like a hobby blog or something that I was doing for my own creativity, but something that I wanted, I saw the potential there to grow this into so much more. And, and that's where the Outfit Formulas program really started. I love it. Yeah. I love that you, you said the word accountability and like that idea of, yeah, going into a workplace makes you accountable to do something like get dressed. Yes. And that even just that shift of like doing it for yourself and now you're accountable to yourself. Now you're a business owner. Like feels like that seed was really planted as who are you going to be accountable to in your life? Right. Does it feel that way to you? Absolutely. Yes. And I think that, that was kind of a primer for me to be a business owner because at that point I was working for someone else. So there were different levels of accountability there. Whenever you shift to working from home, you don't have the same accountability that you have as you do when you're sitting there in an office with your manager in the cubicle or office beside you. I just can't speak enough to daily habits and routines. And I think that losing our routines has a lot to do with how we feel and, and whether we are motivated or not. And it also affects our confidence too. So as much as getting dressed was a, a part of that journey, I think that creating a routine was a huge part of it and sitting down at night and saying, okay, I'm going to make a plan for tomorrow. I'm going to wake up at seven o'clock. I'm going to do my journaling time. I'm going to work out. I'm going to get dressed, put on my makeup, fix my hair, and then I'm going to start my day. And whenever I started to do that, everything else for the rest of the day just kind of fell in line. That was really the key to staying out of the rut, honestly, is just having that repeatable routine that became like clockwork for me every single day. I like that. What's something you're really most proud of achieving with Get Your Pretty On? The first thing that popped in my head was the community, honestly. I think that that has been the biggest surprise to me is that we have this community of women who just 
are so supportive and so loving and so kind. And in a time and place in our world where we are right now, it's so unusual to see that. And that's the comment that we hear over and over again, like, oh my gosh, everyone, we have a huge Facebook group for our community. And the women that come into are like, oh my gosh, everyone here is so nice and so kind to each other. And I think that's just so rare today, especially when we're in these online spaces where it's so easy to be mean to people and to be unkind and to not support each other. And honestly, that is the biggest blessing. It makes me smile every single day. I start my morning by scrolling through our Facebook group and just reading through the comments and seeing the women there and the confidence that they have. Uh, I would say that that's probably the secondary thing that I'm most proud of is like, I feel like I'm their mom in a way. And, and some of these women are older than me, but I still feel like I'm guiding them on this journey of discovering confidence because that's what's really, that's what it's about. Like the outfits and the style are the Trojan horse, but confidence is really the true payoff. And that's what they're getting from this and seeing someone post their very first selfie ever, like in her fifties or sixties. And, and she's smiling and wearing this outfit that makes her feel great. Like there's nothing, nothing better than that feeling. Yes. That, I mean, that makes me tear up. Like, and I think that's why really anything that grows big is because it's not about the surface thing. It's about what's deeper than that. And you have that and you bring that. That's what makes it work for people. Definitely. Yep. So tell me a little bit about your career before you were doing this. You said you were laid off. Yeah, so I spent 14 years in telecom. I was an engineer for most of those years, managing networks in Europe, Middle East, and Africa. So this is definitely a huge departure from that. Yes. But I have a golden brain, which means I'm equal sides left and right brain. So the engineering came pretty easily for me and the creative aspects of running a business do as well. So I feel like the Outfit Formulas program it's like the perfect marriage of my background and doing what I do as an yeah. entrepreneur and, and being in a creative space, but also having these tech skills that I can bring to the table has just been amazing. But it's definitely a huge change from telecom, but there were so many things that I learned by working in corporate America and managing teams and being in the meetings and seeing how a business is run that I've been able to take and use to succeed in running my own business. Nick, I don't think I would be where I am today if I hadn't spent those 14 years in corporate America, just learning the ropes and, and really understanding everything that goes on behind the scenes for sure. Yeah. I, I really love that when people can appreciate just, and all my guests have really understanding like, oh, okay, the path that I was on brought me here. I mean, I think that's mm -hmm. true for everybody if you, you know, you're on an aligned path, but really just seeing those pieces connect is always so interesting. It really is. Like there are no, there are no parts of my journey that were an accident or a mistake. I truly believe that everything was ordained that way to to put me where I am today, for sure. So you started a blog in 2012. You were laid off and you were feeling like in a rut and you decided you needed to get dressed. What was sort of that time in between of getting laid off and having this idea? So I started blogging in September of 2012. And in March of 2013, my manager approached me and said, we have an opportunity where you can, I was working on the voice network at the time and they were starting to decommission voice networks. And he said, you can 
start all over again in the data side, or you can take a severance package. And I thought it over for about two seconds. <laughs> I said, I will take the severance package. And my blog was only six months old at the time, but the company Verizon that I worked for assigned me a career counselor as part of my uh, severance, which was amazing. She and I worked together for three months and um, we just kept going back to the same thing over and over again. And she said, Allison, you've just got to pour everything you've got into this blog. I truly mm. believe that there's something here. Like she said, when I talk to you and you light up and you start talking faster and you get excited every single time you're talking about this blog, like that's what you're supposed to be doing. So put everything you have into this and see what happens. And that's what I did over the course of the next year. I took my severance. Uh, I think I had six months of severance, but I made it stretch out for a year. Uh, we cut back on everything and lived on half of what my old salary was just to for me to be able to focus the time and the energy and, and believe me when I say I had doubts. Yeah. <laughs> there were times when I wanted to run back to corporate America. There were times when I thought, oh my gosh, I've got it, you know, I've got to go get a, a quote real job. This isn't gonna work. Um, and I really came down to the wire where I had about three months of severance left and I called up a friend of mine who was a business coach and I started talking to her and she said, Allison, you've got this audience that's sitting here waiting for you and you're not making any money from them. And I said, no, I'm not. That's like, I don't want to ask them for money. That feels so icky to me. I, I, I can't do that. And she said, well, they want to buy something from you. There is something that you have that they're willing to pay you money for. And so I sent out a reader survey and I asked and said, what's something that you would, what kind of service could I provide? And the results from that survey, a lot of the feedback was, could you just tell me like what to go out and buy and what to wear every day? And I thought, <laughs> yeah, I can do that. I can come up with a list of basics that every woman should have in her wardrobe. And that's really how the idea for outfit formulas was born because I came up with this list of closet staples that I felt every woman should have. And then I took those pieces and I paired them up in at least four to five different ways to make different outfit combinations out of them. And that was the first product that I launched through the business. I was hoping 50 women would sign up whenever I first put it out there. And it was $10. And I thought, okay, 50 women, yeah. $10, totally worth my time. 500 women signed up the wow. very first time out of the gate. And that's really the moment that I realized, and I'm looking back on my journal entries again, because it happened right at this time of the year. And I had that realization like, oh my gosh, there's a possibility here that I'm actually going to replace my corporate salary. Like that can actually happen through this blog. It has just continued to grow every single season since then into, into what it is today. Wow. Yeah. It stands out to me that you listened, like you listened to yourself and did something that you wanted to do just from the very beginning. You listened to mm -hmm. the coach when, you know, really and tuning in and she was able to listen to you and tune into like, you're excited, they're passionate about this and you mm -hmm. listen to your audience. I think those like keys are really interesting. And you, and you also ask for help and listen to your friend to say, Hey, ask them, even though it was scary, like to, mm -hmm. to want there to be money involved in this. Definitely. What were like, why were you hesitant to ask your community for money? You know, I think at the time I was hoping to be able to have a different business model with a blog. Most of the bloggers and, you know, Instagram influencers at that time that I knew were making money through commission off of clothing that they were buying and wearing. 
and then their readers and followers would purchase the clothing. So this was kind of an indirect model where they were earning commission, but they weren't asking anybody to buy anything. I think the uncomfortable part for me was asking for the sale. I'm not a salesperson. I've never been a salesperson. And I thought I had, I had to have some kind of sales experience with this. And it just felt kind of uh, disingenuous. And I don't know why, now that I look back on it, I had been providing a free service for two years for them. I was telling them what to wear. I was showing them how to pair it up. I was providing tons of free resources on the blog and on social media. But when it came down to really just kind of launching a product or a program, uh, I had some hesitation there that I had to get past. And it was really just a mindset issue. And in speaking with other female business owners and entrepreneurs, I think a lot of us struggle with that when we kind of get to that point where we have to ask for that sale. We're like, hey, I've got this thing here. You, you, you don't have to buy it, but if, if you want to, you can. And I got to give it to men. They don't overthink it as much as we do as women. Like they, they're they more confident in, in asking for the sale. So that was one of the things that I had to learn to overcome. And I was afraid of getting backlash from the community, honestly. And it was very much budget conscious. And I always have been in everything that I put out to my community because it is basically, you know, there are a lot of moms there that don't have a ton of resources to go out and buy a bunch of clothes or, you know, they've got a family that they're taking care of and they're not putting themselves first. <laughs> Just overcoming that making money doing this was really a challenge for me for quite some time. And I, I always go back to the phrase new level, new devil, because I feel like it's a mindset issue that I'm constantly working on at each level that I go through in business is just kind of like accepting it and then pushing through it. And I think that that's probably always going to be there, honestly. Yeah. So you had the blog going before your job in corporate America was done. Yes, I did. Yeah. So for six months before I left. Okay. And so when that question came up of, do you want to start all over again here or take a severance package? Do you think you would have started all over with the company if you didn't have the blog? I want to say no, but I also know that one of my biggest values in life is stability and security. And if I hadn't had some kind of something else going on on the side, I probably would have just taken that other job as a security blanket. And I don't know how long I would have stayed in it, but I definitely would have started something on the side. I've always wanted to be a business owner. I've always wanted to be my own boss. I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I had dabbled in some other things before I did this, although this was not, when I started it, I did not plan for it to be a business in any way, shape or form, but I had some other side businesses in the past. So I think I probably would have eventually launched some kind of a business, but I've never thought about that before. So yeah, you had a few other side businesses. What in the past kept you from going for it with those? I think I would build those businesses up to a point where I was struggling to be a solopreneur and realizing that if I wanted to take it to the next level, I had to get really serious about it, which would either mean that I would need to quit my job and really focus on it full time, or I would need to bring in other people and start hiring. And there was a lot of fear in there. Like I didn't want, you know, to have to be responsible for paying somebody else in the business. Uh, so I would just continue to take more and more on until it would overwhelm me. And then I would get to a point where I was so overwhelmed that I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I didn't see a way out because I knew I couldn't quit my job. I was never 
quite to the level where I could replace my income with any of those other businesses. Although I believe that they did have potential, I would just kind of get to that point and then go. But but that was part of the journey. If I hadn't started these other businesses, I wouldn't have been able to shortcut so many things that I did when I started Get Your Pretty On and know what it took to build a business and market and all of the things that go along with that. So it's they all served a purpose for sure. That's great. Do you consider yourself an influencer or a business owner or both? I consider myself a business owner first and foremost. I think I'm a reluctant influencer in many ways. (laughs) Uh, I, I feel like I struggled with being the face of the business in a lot of ways and being a traditional influencer in ways of constantly showing new things to buy on Instagram and having a different kind of business model because I was like, Hey team, I'm team shop your closet, not team, go out and buy a bunch of new stuff. And that made me different. And it's probably what's held me back a little bit. Why I don't have a huge following. I I mean, I have a really good following on Instagram, but not like some influencers do because I'm not, you know, showing the latest Amazon hauls or the latest Nordstrom sales or whatever. I'm more focused on, building the core basics in your wardrobe and then being able to get a lot of use out of those and longevity and reuse the pieces in your closet and curating a closet full of pieces that you love, not just being a consumer. I have a weird relationship with the whole influencer portion of this. Yet on the flip side of that, you know, I've had people come to me whenever I do talk, I talk about this openly with my community and, and I've had a lot of them say, but Allison, you've influenced me. Like you are an influencer. That is influence. You don't have to be what all of these other bloggers are. These other influencers on Instagram are to have influence. So I really think that that's, that's kind of cool. <laughs> you're it being is. anti-influencer, yet you're creating influence. Yes. Well, in a way, I mean, it's the most authentic kind of influence because it really is led by your community and sustainable. It seems like you really are motivated by and taking care of them and wanting it to be rooted in confidence and not rooted in, well, I'm going to kind of follow and, and be beholden to sponsors and what their interests are in driving sales. And it really is yours. I want to say that was not... 100% intentional, but I decided early on that I was going to be true to me and be authentic to my own shopping patterns and to how uh, sharing my real life. It wasn't going to be about trying to be something that I wasn't. I don't do a lot of shopping in real life. I do shop my closet all the time. I do wear the same basics over and over again. Like that is who I am. And when I finally made that decision, And I will say like in the beginning, I flip-flopped and I went back and forth because I thought, well, no, this is what you have to be in order to be successful. And then I realized that I was going to let go of that business model and just be myself. And that's when I really started to attract the audience to me that I felt like belonged there because they had those same values. And it's really just a lesson in authenticity and showing up as you are online and being who you truly are, because that is what is... a eventually going to attract the right people to you. Yeah, what was your first blog about? There are two that stand out in my mind, but I wanna say it was a denim dress I bought at Target and I put like a little leopard belt around it and I paired it up with some red flats. 
And um, I think I'm pretty sure that was the first outfit that I put on the blog. And I was kind of like showing the different ways that you could wear this denim dress. And then there was another one that I felt like was super daring at the time for me, but I wore a black and white striped shirt with some boyfriend jeans and leopard flats. And it was the first time I did pattern mixing. So I had stripes on top and leopard shoes on bottom. And I thought that I was just like really stepping out of my comfort zone. So <laughs> it's so funny now I love to it. think about those, you know, the early days and what, when I was learning those things and how I can relate to my audience now and know what it feels like when you're trying something that feels so far out of your comfort zone, whether it's a pair of white jeans or um, chinos or whatever, overalls, that's what we're doing this spring season. Like there's always, I can really just kind of go back and, and relate to that feeling of stepping out and trying something new. And there's a confidence that comes with that too. You know, just really getting outside of your comfort zone and trying something new. Yes. How were your outfits different from what you would wear to corporate America? So in corporate America, I had my uniform every day. I, I think I've been practicing outfit formulas way before I realized what they were. I would pair up pencil skirts with blouses and heels. And that was like my uniform every single day. I just had a lot of those that I would rotate and mix and match. And sometimes I'd put a jacket on with them, or sometimes I'd swap out the skirt for some dress pants, but I had a pretty good uniform per se that I could go back to and rely on on a daily basis. Totally different than what I wear today. I mean, I still love leopard print. I still love heels, although I don't get to wear them very often. I'm a jeans and t-shirt girl. I just do different versions of it where I'll throw a moto jacket over the t-shirt or a cardigan or swapping out my footwear is 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 what my what I do for fun. <laughs> I love it. It's such an interesting way to express your identity, what you wear. And I like yes. that you described your uniform going to you know, work for someone else. How did that shift for you when you were like, no, I'm going to be a little more daring? Was that a reflection of an internal shift or did it lead an internal shift or was it kind of both? Oh, I think that leaving corporate America and just you know, working from home. Initially, I went to my go-to yoga pants and sweatshirt every day. And I did that because that's all I had that was in my casual wardrobe. And I saw how that made me feel. And I knew that I wanted to feel cute and put together again. And I think that was the thing that was missing, but I didn't know how to look put together without it being these dress clothes that I had in my closet. So it was really an experimentation. And I love style for that reason, because it's so accessible and easy to experiment with. Like, and it's, and it's temporary. You can try on different personas with style. You can be boho one day. You can be, you know, modern the next day. You can be preppy the next day. You can combine elements from all of those things. And you can just try out these different personas with style. It's fun. Now I have a teen daughter and she's 16 and I see her going through this and trying on all of these different personalities through her style. And it's just such a fun way to experiment with discovering who we are. I love that. Tell me a little bit about like, it sounded like it was, it was scary to ask your community for a, a money exchange. Is there another phase where you were going through and it was like, okay, this is that next devil in the next level. Tune into what that is. And tell me about like, what was the thing that held you back from taking that next big step? So I think the first year of outfit formulas was really about discovering that 
I had a sustainable business that was actually going to make money and could replace my corporate salary. And in year two of it, the next level of that was, okay, now that I'm attracting all of these customers, I need to have the systems built out to be able to you know, have the bandwidth for growth, really. And I was a DIYer. I did everything myself the first year. I cobbled together systems um, and just kind of like patched it all together and made it work, right? So the second year was really about offering a tech solution that was going to work and be able to handle as many customers as possible and have everything built in to make it easier for, you know, customer service and all of just have an elegant solution for delivering this program. So that was kind of like the next level of the business that I went through was like, okay, the idea is here, the concept works. Now, how can we take this and make it scalable? So that was really year two. And then from year two on, it's kind of been a big marketing focus, definitely like where to positioning and branding and you know, social media growth, again, going back to the tech solutions because they only last for so long. So every few years I have to go back and take a look at what's working, what isn't, do we need to roll something new out? We did that this year. We're definitely taking all the feedback from customers and really relying heavily upon surveys, like going back to what worked in the beginning and continuing to do that. We do customer surveys twice a year now and just really try to get as much feedback as possible to be able to implement that into the program going forward and allow them to help drive it and to also help create it, uh, which is a really cool aspect of it. You know, we ask them, what pieces do you want to see repeated in the capsule wardrobes? Like what was your favorite item and um, what do you want to keep wearing? What do you want to see again? So making them really a part of that process too has been integral to the success of it because they feel involved and they feel heard and they feel listened to. And we're continuing to always incorporate the feedback and try to do better. Yeah. Yeah. At what point you mentioned you had doubts along the way, was there sort of a a tipping point of like, this is definitely going to work and I'm not going to go back to a corporate job? Yeah, I I think that there was. And honestly, I think you get to a point when you build a community and you have an audience that you know that even if this all went away today, (laughs) you could build something else. Mm. And I really think that that's kind of the point that I got to. There's a a business coach that I had consulted with a few times and she told me a story about that, but that happened to her. Like she had built this huge following and this huge audience in this one area. And then it all just kind of fell apart and she had to rebuild from scratch. And she said, I just have to tell you. And I've heard the story time and time again from other entrepreneurs who have said that once you do it one time, it's never as hard again. And I think that also along the way, I've been really conservative financially, and that has helped me to feel more comfortable. Just knowing that if we did, you know, I experienced cash flow issues, like we had COVID happen last year, and nobody could plan for that or predict that. And in, in initially, you know, the business did take a hit, and I was like, okay, this is this is all right because we've got money in the bank, <laughs> we're going to be able to make it through this, we'll weather this storm. There's enough there to be able to do this and just really having that financial security there to back it up was 
key to surviving the storms. And it's a deeper confidence now of just knowing that between having money in the bank, being responsible with with what I have and also knowing that even if it all went away, nothing's going to take away the experience of building a business and I can do that again. Yes. You own your skills. I don't think about it anymore. I don't. It used to be one of those things that kept me up at night for several years and like, oh my gosh, what if this all goes away tomorrow? What am I going to do? But I just don't have those feelings anymore. I think it's just a deeper knowing now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you own the skills that you've built. Yes. Do you have anything left in your closet from your corporate days? (laughs) I don't think so. I, you know, I've bought more things like leopard pencil skirts and pretty blouses and blazers and heels and all those things because I still wear dressy clothes whenever I go to speaking engagements and um, events and things like that. So I have a new set of what we'll call corporate clothes, (laughs) but we'll just say professional. It's professional attire now. Uh, But no, so the funny thing is, I'm glad you asked this because I did hold on to my black interview suit for about Mm. two years after I left. I'm like, what if I need this? And I was finally like, you know what? I'm getting rid of that thing because number one, it has dust on it, which is gross. And number two, (laughs) if I really need an interview suit, I will go out and buy one. And number three, I'm never going to interview to go back into corporate America. (laughs) So I finally let it go. And it was an emotional release too. Like it felt so good. Goodbye, black suit. I do not need you anymore. You don't represent anything that I want to go back to. (laughs) That must have felt good. It did. If you are inspired by Allison like I am, you can find her at getyourprettyon.com. Her community is on Facebook and Instagram. She also has a book coming out soon. I highly recommend all the resources she has. And as I've been gushing, just love the way she takes care of her community and leads with thoughtfulness. I want to promote as many entrepreneurs as I can through this podcast. So I'm taking submissions for written interviews and an opportunity to be featured on our website as a reinvention story. Ashley Sang is featured this month, sharing her journey to becoming a brand messaging strategist. With a background in international development, Ashley realized she had a real talent for seeing clear solutions for other people, and she applies that to brand messaging for businesses and nonprofits. That's when she struck out on her own. What was that transition like? You can read her interview at concurrentproductions.com learn. Click on the link at the top that says Inspiring Entrepreneurs. For details on how you can submit your own reinvention or intention story, go to concurrentproductions.com submit. In every episode, I've been featuring an intention-setting declaration. I've been seeking them out through my friends and network, and for this episode, I just wasn't able to find someone to submit their intention in the time I wanted to put it out. So I realized maybe it's time to do it myself. Something I've learned from this podcast is that sometimes you have to trade something you really like to grow further into who you truly are and your highest expression of yourself in the world. So here I am declaring that intention for my own growth. I hope it inspires you and I hope it motivates me to keep striving to become more of who I really am in the world, to keep reinventing myself. My name is Carrie and I do a lot of things. I own a production company that makes marketing videos, I have this podcast, I write blogs, and it's all great. It's business stuff, and I like it. 
I like it. But what would really make me come alive is connecting with people on a really deep emotional level. The way I want to do this is through storytelling, through uh, narrative film, and I want to write and direct films that are deeply meaningful to me and connect people and help people feel really less lonely in the world. That's what would really make me come alive.